0: up your symptoms online so you have something a cough or a splutter or a pain and so you think well I'll look it up online and then you just go to the worst case scenario and you find out that you've probably got hours to live and then you're panicking and you're worrying well cyberchondria is the word and this is what um, somebody said about it cyberchondria is a growing concern among many healthcare practitioners as patients can now research any and all symptoms of a rare disease illness or condition And manifest a state of medical anxiety so they're people misdiagnose themselves because they look it up online now the problem is a number of people who diagnosed themselves uh, this article said ended up obsessing so much about it that they were too worried to leave the house and eventually to go and see the doctor and get any help at all so misdiagnosing the problem can be a big problem now as we look around our world today I don't need to bring many paper cuttings or quotes to say and show we've got a few problems, haven't we? As a world, as we look around in our society, there's a few struggles and issues. Now, we can't seem to put our finger on what the problem is, but we know there's a problem. And not just out there, but in our hearts. We've got a problem, haven't we? There are things that we end up doing that we wish we didn't do. Things we end up saying that we wish we hadn't said. And we just can't seem to shake the problem. Things aren't right in the world around us, in our lives, in our heart, but we can't put our finger on what the problem is. And so we misdiagnose. And when we misdiagnose, we try and sort it out in the wrong way. So we think the answers uh, could be, well, we can try and solve it in loads of different ways, whether we do that on ourselves or on the culture around us. Maybe today you're here and you feel just in your heart, things just aren't right. Something's not right, but you don't know what it is. Things you worry about, wrestle over, keep you up at night. Something's wrong, but I just don't know what it is. There isn't peace in your heart, but there's just a turmoil. There's a noise, a constant background noise. And when it's just you and your thoughts, lasting at night, it's just turmoil. When we come to look at the cross this morning, The cross speaks directly into our hearts and lives, and it is deeply relevant. We're not here just thinking about something that happened nearly 2,000 years ago and just reflecting on it, but actually we're seeing it it helps us with our problems and struggles today. Because the Bible says that the issue that we've got is that we've misdiagnosed the problem. We've misdiagnosed the problem. And when we come to the cross, it gets to the heart of what our problem is. The heart the cross gets to the heart of the deepest struggles we face and the deepest issues that we fight against so there's two things i'd like us to see in this passage this morning we're going to look at first of all the heart of the problem uh, in hebrews 9 um, we're going to look at a few verses there but before we do that just a bit of background to help us to understand because as you read through the accounts of jesus life you see that he came the son of god god in flesh came for one purpose one main purpose He kept talking about his hour he was looking to his hour the time was coming this is why i've come and the hour was his time on the cross he was coming to go to the cross so the cross shows us what god thinks is going to solve the biggest problem of all what is the biggest problem of all the bible's answer is this we have been cut off from god our relationship with god is now broken and that is what needs to be sorted. And so Jesus coming to the cross makes a relationship with God possible again. See, God made us with a deep and rich purpose. What was it? To know and enjoy him, the eternal God, the one who made you and loves you. That's why you're made. So if anybody ever tells you you're worthless or you mean nothing, the Bible says totally the opposite. You have a dignity that you are made to know and enjoy God. You are special. But the problem is, our relationship with God is now broken and cut off. In the beginning of the Bible, we were near God. Uh, One way that the Bible puts it is we were walking in the cool of the day. Adam was walking in the cool of the day with God. Just walking, talking, enjoying a relationship with him. But we've rebelled against God. We've said, God, we're going to do this our way, not yours. And so we end up breaking that relationship cutting it off and we keep on doing things that offend him and that hurt him that he hates imagine for a moment you have a friend and this friend shared with you one day look there's a few things i really don't like i don't like being in fast cars i don't like fish i don't like water or the sea and i hate sand so you meet up every week and every week you get them to come in the car you drive really fast down to Porth call. you go on the beach you go near the sea And you have fish and chips every time you meet up you do the same thing now how would your friend feel that you keep doing things that they've specifically said please don't do that I really I I struggle with it well how would that friendship go well if you kept insisting on doing those things that friendship wouldn't last long with it but in a deeper way we do things that hurt God we wrong others we hurt others we lie we take his gifts and we ignore him He made this world for us to enjoy with him and we've just walked away from it. So we keep on doing things that God hates and so our relationship with God is now broken. It is ruptured. But here's a problem. If the main problem with this world is that our relationship with God is broken, it's not very easy to see that, is it? It's not very obvious that actually we keep doing things that hurt him and upset him. Well, in the Old Testament, God put some things in place to make it really obvious that actually we needed to sort this problem out. And this problem needed to be dealt with. Um, So, what he did was he set up this way of saying, look, I want you to have access to me, but you need to come on my terms. So, he told God's people to build something called the tabernacle. He said, I want you to build a tent. And in that tent, I'm going to be in a special way. I'm going to dwell there in a special way. But you have to come on my terms. So there was a big curtain, uh, which behind the curtain was called the Holy of Holies. And behind there, God said, I dwell there in a special way. So once a year, I'm going to let one of you come into my presence to represent you all. So somebody who was saying, look, I'm going on your behalf into the presence of God, because God wants us to have access to him. And so every day they would see the tabernacle and they would see the tent. They would see this curtain. and They would see God wants to be near as I am, with all the wrong I've done, I can't approach him. But one person can. This one day a year, Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, that day, my representative will go into God's presence on my behalf. You see, the old system that God set up was a way of reminding us and showing us that actually the relationship with God isn't right. Something needs to be done. And, And as you look through the Old Testament, you see a lot of Things talking about the clean and unclean things, and you might think, well, why is God talking about clean and unclean all the time? You know, is it an OCD thing? What's going on here? But actually, think about it. Imagine for a moment you're about to give someone a big hug, or you're about to shake hands with somebody, and as you glance down at their hand, it is covered in dog poo. Just for a moment, imagine that. What would you do naturally? Oof, oof. Or you see on their clothes they've just fallen in, you know, muck. Well, you wouldn't go to hug them, would you? You kind of recoil because that's unclean or imagine that you were going to see somebody important and you remembered oh, i forgot to brush my teeth this morning and you kind of you know you do that and you go oh dear me i might kill a few animals with that smell I, right okay so you've got bad breath and then you you smell and you think oh, i didn't have a shower either oh no and so when you come to see this important person how would you feel well, you feel dirty don't you you feel uncle- you feel like you need to keep a distance or in the same way as god's people would look on tabernacle they'd just be aware every day I need to be clean to go into God's presence I need to be clean not unclean so there's a big reminder to God's people this is the biggest problem and this is what needs to be solved and so what happened well remember this one day a year one person would go into the presence of God and you know it was a big palaver to get that person ready so a week before this high priest would spend time on his own for a whole week just in case he'd get contaminated uh, so he would you'd um, uh, be reading God's words so he'd wash his soul he'd be washing his body every day and preparing his heart uh, and the night before the day of atonement he'd be up all night the high priest um, reading God's words pr- purifying his heart uh, and on the day of day of atonement he would bathe again be clean and he would put on these fresh white linen robes so he would stand before God's people he'd all be watching Saying, he's going in for us he's clean so he can go in and so he went in and then he made a sacrifice um, of an animal to say this animal needs to be killed on my behalf so that i can be forgiven so the animal was killed he came out he would be covered in blood so he had to wash again and he'd have more clean linen put on him and so he'd go in again and then he'd kill another animal on behalf of the other priests because they had done wrong things so they needed to be forgiven and then he'd be covered in blood again so he'd come out again wash again clean clothes on uh And then he would put on this vest with 12 gems on, which would represent God's people, the 12 tribes of Israel. So they would look now. He's clean. He sorted his own sin out. He sorted the sin of the priests out. And he's got us on his chest. And he's going in for us in his clean garment. And he went into God's presence. Because God said, I want you to come, but you have to come on my terms. Now, I know that seems a bit separated from my daily life but now let's look at these verses in hebrews 9 says this in hebrews 9 11 when christ appeared as the high priest of the good things that have come then through the greater and more perfect tent not made with hands that's not of this creation he entered once for all into the holy places not by means of the blood of goats and calves but by means of his own blood and thus securing eternal redemption for us now what's going on here jesus came and he was our high priest he came to die in our place and by dying on the cross he was making it possible for us to get this huge problem of access to god sorted how did he do it well this last week is what's known in the church calendar as holy week and for a week really jesus was preparing himself to go into the presence of the father But when we look at Jesus and when he went he wasn't clothed in fine linen was he in fact he was stripped he wasn't bathed but actually he was bathed in spit because people spat on him and rejected him he wasn't being encouraged by people as they saw he's going on our behalf no they mocked him and they jeered and his friends abandoned him most of them and he was humiliated and killed see on as Jesus was going to the cross something deep was happening There's a verse in the bible in 2 corinthians 5 that says god made him who had no sin so he was pure to be sin for us as he died he was taking all of the wrong we've done all of that rebellion all of that filth all of that dirt and shame he took that on himself and he went into the presence of god he was contaminated but he went in our place and he died as our sacrifice and by his blood we can be made clean. So he took all of our dirt, all the wrong we've done, and he says, look, I'll take that for you. And then he says to us, now I can forgive you, and I will give you my clothing, as it were, and you can access God whenever you want. See, Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, would happen every year. So every year they'd see that happen in the Old Testament. But here we're told this happened by Jesus once and for all. One sacrifice, one death, So that we can be forgiven once and for all so on that cross jesus was taking your sin and my sin he was taking all the rebellion and that means when we realize what he's done for us he took what we deserve so that we can get what he deserved, which is access to god so the biggest problem in this world is that we have been cut off from god and jesus came to die to make it possible for us to access him whenever we want It means this morning, however you feel, you can be welcomed and embraced by God because Jesus came to die to take away the guilt and the shame. That thing we can't put our finger on that we feel is not right, Jesus has come to deal with it, to clean us. And as we realise that, we have access to God, we can be in relationship with him, and that's what life is for. That is what it's all about. And when we realise that, then we can know true freedom and true joy so that's the heart of the problem but secondly i want us to look at now the problem of the heart the problem of the heart because as we grasp that that jesus kind of went to the cross on our behalf he became dirty so we could be clean it means this in the next two verses of hebrews it says this for if the sprinkling of defiled persons with the blood of goats and bulls And with the ashes of a heifer sanctifies for the purification of the flesh if that worked in the old testament how much more will the blood of christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to god purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living god so the tabernacle the priests the the bulls and the goats that was just a picture that was to help us to understand what the cross was all about so we don't go back now and 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 do the sacrifices anymore. Jesus has done it once and for all. I don't know if you had a toy kitchen growing up. Uh, you know, the type with pretend food and pretend pans and all those things. Well, imagine a child who loves playing with their toy kitchen. And there they are. They're cooking the pretend food on the stove. They're washing up the pretend food. Um, and then, you know, they just love playing with it. And then that child grows up. And they, it's time for them to move out to their parents' home and they live in somewhere on their own. And. Um, and the mum or the mother, dad goes over and sees and looks in the house and, and sees this child with the toy kitchen, put in a toy kind of piece of bacon and sausage in the frying pan. He's saying, what are you doing? He's oh, like, I need to eat. He's like, oh, no, no, That was a toy kitchen. You, you don't need that now. You need the real thing. That was just to help you understand something of how a kitchen works. But now we need to get you a real cooker. I know it's a silly story, but you can see the picture. Jesus and the Old Testament was a way of saying, look, this is what it means. don't need that now because you understand jesus done it for you once and for all jesus death shows us that actually our sins can be forgiven and that we can have access to god and it means this as this passage tells us it means that our conscience can be cleansed our conscience can be cleansed we don't have to feel guilty anymore because jesus has paid the price for us now what's our conscience what does that mean well that's god's kind of alarm system that he's given us in in our hearts It's there to warn us from danger, so that when we hear uh, and when we feel that this isn't right, you know, we need to listen to it. The problem is we don't always listen to our conscience. We kind of deaden it, and the more we deaden it, the quieter it gets, and the more we deaden it, the quieter and quieter, and then we just go, you know, far away. We just press snooze on it. We silence it, and then we don't listen to it anymore. And soon enough, our hearts just become hard. We just get used to it, and we don't care anymore about the things that we used to care about. But still, even if we've silenced the alarm, there will be times where it bursts through. Times where we know, no, this isn't right. This isn't right. And we feel guilt. We feel shame. And we feel pain. See, the conscience, we're meant to listen to what God has given to us. And the Bible helps us to see what is right and what is wrong. But the problem is we silence it, and we just get used to that now one of the cars that I owned, I've had a lot of interesting cars in my not a lot, but a few interesting cars in our time, and one of them had a leak in it. And so every time, if you parked on a hill, I know it straight, so strange. If you parked on a hill, you'd end up getting a pool of water in the footwell, um, which was fine because it would dry. Say, oh, a little dry, it will be fine. But the problem over time was that it began to smell. So when you got in the car, it just smelled damp and nasty, like something had died in there, and. Um, but as you drove, you kind of got used to the smell. And it wasn't such a problem by the time, you know, 10 minutes into the drive, it's okay. But every time someone came in the car, what did I have to do? Don't worry about the smell, you'll get used to it. It'll be fine once we get 10 minutes down the road. You know, so every time i would have to explain it because it did smell horrible. And soon, sure enough, nobody said anyway, you did get used to it. In the same way, we can get used to the smell, as it were, of, of the wrong things we do. And the stuff that God hates. We just get used to it. But the smell is still there, it still lingers, and before God, it's still not right. And because of that, that is why we end up feeling guilty. That is why we have this conscience and we feel terrible and we can't silence the alarm, however much we try. Maybe you're trying to silence the alarm this morning somehow. Maybe you've turned to just working too hard just to try and keep yourself distracted. Maybe you've turned to um, just keeping really busy. We can turn to food to comfort us. We can turn to drink to comfort us. We can turn to shopping to comfort us. Just to get rid of the noise. Anything to try and help us to keep going. But still, the noise is there. The cross is showing us this morning that that problem can be sorted. Because the ultimate problem is that we've hurt God. We've offended Him. We've broken His heart. So today, God is coming to us through the message of Good Friday. And He's saying... If you trust in me i can totally cleanse your guilty conscience and you can leave here knowing that things are right between me and you leave that with me and walk free don't let it control you anymore don't let it have that pull on you anymore and remember this passage says this is a once and for all he's done it and that's it so we don't have to keep on thinking right i need to um, make myself right before god but he's done it once that's it I don't know if you've heard the story, but a little boy who, um, who accidentally killed his grandmother's duck. I don't know if this is true or not, but he accidentally killed his grandmother's pet duck. So he was playing with a slingshot, and he accidentally shot this duck, and it died. And the boy didn't think anybody saw him, so he buried this duck in the garden and didn't tell anyone. But soon enough, he found out his sister actually saw the whole thing. And so she would use this information that she had to get him to do whatever she wanted. So whenever it was her sis- his sister's time to do the washing up, he would go up to her, she'd go up to his brother, her brother and say, remember the duck? And then he'd end up doing the washing up. Or maybe he'd go to, um, it was her turn to empty the bins and he'd, she'd go up to him and say, remember the duck? And so he would go and do all of these things. So whatever it was, whatever the chore that was given, she could get out of it because she had this information. Well, the boy could only take so much of this. So he just went up to his grandmother and said, look, I'm really sorry. You know, He was scared, he was guilty, uh, but I killed your pet duck. And his grandmother said, you know, I saw the whole thing. I was standing in the kitchen, I saw it all. Uh, I forgave you then, but I was just waiting to see how much longer you could stick your sister controlling you. <laughs> see, God has seen your sin and your failure. He's seen it all. And this morning he's saying, I can forgive you. Don't let... The devil or others come and say, remember the duck. Remember the duck. Because he's cleansed it, it's gone, it's dealt with. That's why Jesus died. And as we'll see Sunday, he rose again to show, I've paid it in full. I've paid the punishment. Is something controlling you this morning. And you're listening to that guilt. And this morning, God reminds you, come to the cross. Leave it with me. Don't let it pull. Don't let it control you. And when we grasp that, then we're ready to see verse 14, he says, um, you'll purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. As we realise we're forgiven, then we want to say, so God, what can I do for you? How can I serve you? How can I do what you want to do? I see you love me, I see you've done this for me, and now I can serve you. And so often we can get that the wrong way around. We think I need to serve God in order for him to forgive me. If I do enough good things, then God maybe will forgive me. But actually, this is saying, no, look, you have to do it the other way around. You come to God and you say, God, I'm sorry. And he says, oh, you're forgiven. And then we say, right, how can I serve you? Because so often we can use obedience as a way to try and get, God's, um, get God to do what we want. If I do this, then God will give me this. And we kind of use him as a good luck charm, that kind of idea. But actually, that isn't serving our loving God at all, is it? It's serving ourselves i know i've said this before but i love this story that gets us across uh, imagine this um gardener and he loves the king of the land so much that he goes and he takes a bunch of carrots and he says king because i love you and you're a great king here's a bunch of carrots and the king is so touched by this this moment of of love and and concern and generosity that he says well as you've shown such love to me i'm going to give you an acre of land that's yours to grow more carrots and just enjoy and there's somebody else in the court hears this and thinks wow a bunch of carrots and he gets an acre of land that's a good deal so the next day he comes in and says king today I'm going to bring you a horse here's a horse to show you um, how much I care about you and the king says thanks and then the court is standing there waiting for the big moment and there's nothing and he said but hang on yesterday you gave that gardener an acre of land for a bunch of carrots and I'm giving you this horse and you're giving me nothing And the king says this, no, the gardener gave me the carrots, you gave yourself the horse. He wasn't really serving the king, he was serving himself. And so often we can turn God into, God, I'm going to do this, because if you do this, things will go well for me. If you do this, then I will get this. But actually we realize when we look at the cross, Jesus died to forgive us, that we are accepted, and we are free then to say, I'm not going to serve you for what I can get out of this. I'm going to serve you because I love you, and because you are good, and I trust you. See, the heart of the problem we've seen today is that access to God is cut off. So God has sorted that for us because he sent his son Jesus to bear our guilt and shame, to be filthy on our behalf so that we could be clean. And then the problem of the heart is our guilty conscience can be wiped clean and sorted. And we can leave here today with full joy, knowing that God has accepted us. Whatever we've done, anything can be dealt with by the cross of Jesus. Whatever we've done can be forgiven. and We can leave no in. I'm right with him. I am right and I'm forgiven. I wonder today, maybe for the first time, you need to say, Jesus, please will you forgive me for the wrong I've done. See what he did on the cross for you. And then you can know, wow, conscience cleansed, I have access to God. And then we see we enter into what life is all about. I pray that today each one of us will leave here today knowing for sure that we're accepted because Jesus took our punishment on the cross. So let's pray before we sing our last song together. Father, we thank you for the message of the cross, one that is so deep and rich, but one that gets to the heart of our biggest problem, that we need to be right with you. And I thank you that today, right now, from where we are seated, we can make sure that we are right with you. We can cry out and say, Lord, forgive me, and you will forgive. Thank you again, Lord Jesus, for bearing our guilt and shame For being rejected and forsaken so that we could be accepted and loved and we pray lord please help us to live a life of joyful service as a result uh, to you the great god of heaven in jesus name amen